Hi, readers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Not Another Heroine, the podcast where we break down the best and worst fictional heroines, those swashbuckling ladies who have to work a little harder than expected for their happy ending. We'd love for you to come read with us in our book club on the Fable app, where you can chat with us about your favorite scenes, vote for your favorite characters, and even help pick our next read. Or you can follow us on Instagram to get a sneak peek at upcoming content. This week, we're finishing Graceling by Christian Cashore, otherwise known as you read a reverse harem book one time. We made it. We're almost at the end. To the end. I feel kind of sad, though. I feel like... um. I wanted to spend more time with uh, Katza and Poe, uh, but I know it's for the best. We have other books, other Katzas and Poes to talk about. But, uh, you know, this is going to sound awful. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. I, Controversial take here. Uh, I love Katza and Poe, and I love all of the elements we've seen so far in this book. But mm-hmm. this book didn't grab me. I could see that. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's, I don't know the right word for it. You probably have something way more eloquent and put together than no. I could possibly <laughs> say. But it's kind of, uh, I can't even think of the right word for it. But I know what you mean. It's not a grabber. It's like a long-term, slow burn, grabs your heart later kind of thing. It's nostalgic value yeah and i think that has a huge appeal like something you read as a kid you're more willing to look favorably upon as an adult Mm -hmm. it's just reading for me this was the first time and i don't think there's enough enough i can't words words are hard (laughs) we haven't even started yet um that's fair i just don't think you get enough in the character's head like you're, you're mm. you know what it is? It's like, this is a, I'm telling you book instead of I'm showing you. Like, I'm going to tell I you Katz's growth rather than you mm-hmm. sitting in her head and experiencing it. I can see that. Because I feel like a lot of her growth is shown through her actions and reactions to others. Mm-hmm. Like, which is fine. I feel like there's a time and a place for that. And some people go too overboard on the like uh, show, don't tell. And it's like kind of hard to understand or pick up the nuances or it's like they're beating you over the head with it. Um, but yeah, I wish there was a little bit more of like cats uh, not frantic and kind of like assessing things because I feel like her thought process is very like frantic, mm-hmm. only hitting the thing right in front of her kind of vibe this kind of seems like it would translate really well as a screenplay Ooh, i would watch the shit out of that mm-hmm. movie but yes absolutely like <laughs> I, i've said that about a, a lot of books that we reviewed but this mm-hmm. one in particular like the writing itself just seems like it's geared towards yeah. that i could see that though i do think um speaking of part three and the plot points that happen um I think it'd be kind of hard to show in a movie pose grace. Yeah. Mhm. I yeah, how would you do that? It's I have no idea. I'm kind of imagining some kind of like CGI thing where everything's like dark but then you see like uh eminences from like <laughs> each object like sonar or something. I don't know. If you if you cast the right person, like people who have super dynamic mm-hmm. faces and can convey a lot of emotion, yeah. like someone could do mm-hmm. that with Poe and just. I could see that. Mm. There could be, there could, <gasps> you know, what what was going through my head just now is the dude who plays the, the Darkling on Shadow and Bone. <gasps> I love him. Okay, so I, uh, I haven't watched the. Bastion Barnes or uh, what's his. It's not Bastion Barnes. Uh, Anyway. Okay. So this Sorry. (laughs) Pause. Ben Barnes. Ben Barnes. There we go. Okay. Uh, Because he was in uh, Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. What? He was Prince Caspian. Yeah. That's where original, uh, you know, Katie's crush on Ben Barnes developed. Mind blown right now. Okay. So I saw a reel this morning where he was reading. um, He was, I think he was doing a reading from Shadow and Bone or some some book mm. in the series 
And mm-hmm. that man's voice, oh my mm-hmm. God. Like, mm-hmm. I don't yep. even need to yep. see him. Yep. He could just read. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But like someone like uh, that who he can, has a can nice voice. Yeah, convey that much emotion and depth just by speaking yeah. would be a great poem. Mm-hmm. I think so too. He would make a good he could poem. Be <laughs> he doesn't mm-hmm. quite look mm-hmm. like Poe, but yeah, he has that um, like empathy though. Like all of his characters, you get that like empathetic. Like you're like a easy to know person, easy to get to know. Like very like oh yeah, like I care about you. Okay, (laughs) it's fine. One more sidebar (laughs) before we really Mm -hmm. get into part three. So speaking of that character, um, Mm -hmm. I just started reading Shadow and Bone. And all I know, I have imagery in my head from Ben Barnes. And then that stupid dude they cast to play Mal or Mel or whatever the other lead male is. And I Uh have to know now, who does she end up with? Oh, girl, I cannot ruin it. It's a fucking, Katie, like... Katie, No. How far are you? What part are you I in? I think I'm in only, like, 50 or 60 pages in. Oh, no, you have to suffer. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay, is because it suffer it's like, through the book or through the whole series? Uh, I think by the end of the, the first book, you you know. But that's the, like, the appeal of, like, this series, the way that the love interest... Because it's not... I wouldn't say it's a love triangle, but it like almost is. It's like that emotional like connection you have with like those people that are just really like morally gray, morally black. And you're like, I know I need to fucking hate you, but you're like in my brain. I can't believe you're doing You'll this You'll learn. Fine. Fine. I know what I'm what doing is tonight. That? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that Harry Potter quote, um, I quote this all the fucking time from the third book. Uh, you're going to suffer, but you're going to be happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. This book is all suffering, oh, but you're going to be happy about it. <laughs> okay, fine. I will keep reading because I, I mm-hmm. keep putting it down like, oh, I'll, I'll finish it. I'll come back to it because it's on my list of like books I need to read. Just yeah. But mm-hmm. okay. For Ben Barnes. Oh, For yeah. Ben Barnes, I will. Oh, and then. That's fair. Uh, just wait, though. I think it's like the second or third book that we get Prince Nikolai. Girl. <laughs> I don't need more. There is more <laughs> storm on the horizon. <laughs> uh, okay, fine, fine. Yep. All right. We need, we need to focus on Cats and Poe. Yes. I'm sorry for derailing yep, us. Yep, Cats but and now Poe. now I have a reading assignment <laughs> for tonight. Mm-hmm. Fair. So uh, last episode, mini recap, because it immediately goes into this one. Cats and Bitterblue have their, you know, little uh, survivor moment out in the fucking like winter woods. They make it through this pass like by the skin of their fucking teeth, which is like a gross metaphor. Like, what does that even mean? First of all, Uh, thanks, Katie. I've never contemplated that. (laughs) Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, but they barely made it, barely survived, barely. Uh, but now they're en route to the kingdom of Leonid so that they can meet with Poe and Bitterblue's family. Um, they can kind of like regroup and be like, what the fuck are we going to do about this king-like dude? So they arrive at a dock um, after kind of like going full send across the like mountainside in the fields or whatever. And they're trying to sneak around to try to find a ship to get on because... Uh, the issue is they need a boat that is like just arrived because while they were traveling to the coast, they don't know what King Lek and King Lek's men have like told everyone about the situation. And so they're just assuming to be safe that like King Lek is like someone kidnapped my daughter and they like, you know, tried to kill someone. And like, if you see them, you need to, you know, immediately uh, incarcerate them and then I'll come handle them. Terrifying. And so luckily though, uh, because this is Katza and she has a knack for survival, randomly this boat has just arrived. It's like in the middle of the night. And it's also uh, completely uh, worked. What's the word for like the ship crew? Crude? There we go. (laughs) Answered my own question. Watching you solve that Um, problem live was excellent. (laughs) (laughs) You like start with confusion and it's like, oh... (laughs) Uh, yeah, the whole ship is crewed by um, people from Leonid. So they're like, ah, perfect. And so Katza asked to like, you know, be shown on board so they can talk to the captain and try to like get a ride back to Leonid, even though these people had just come from there. 
And so uh, they go and talk to the captain, who turns out being a woman. Awesome. Love it. She's, like, running her own business. And uh, after a lot of, like, back and forth and, like, the captain being like, no, I'm just going to take your fucking money and then dump you overboard, like, dead. Um, Katz is like, okay, you really need to take me to Leonid. And she shows him the ring that Poe gave her uh, before they separated. I did not remember Poe giving her the ring. I think I skimmed over that scene. Oh, and so when she pulls well, it out, very, yeah, yeah, it's very subtle, and I kind of forgot about it too, even during my reread. Um, but basically, what this means, as the captain is explaining to Katza, because Katza didn't really understand what you know being given the ring meant, uh, the captain explains that like giving this ring of your identity to someone is basically like I know I'm going to die. Or like, I, you know, don't want to belong to my identity anymore. Like someone else is taking on that like role for me. And so obviously, because uh, that's fucking like tragic and horrible. Uh, Katz is like, oh my God, I don't fucking want this ring anymore. And they're like, nope, you're now princess. You have taken, you know, Prince Poe's position, his title. Like you are now princess. And she's like, you know, over here sobbing and they're like, okay, we're going to go back to Leonid. And like, <laughs> that's not more romantic than a marriage proposal. Like someone willing to just sacrifice everything that they have for you with nothing in return. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just, oh my God, he just like gives her the ring and he doesn't tell her anything about it, which is like cute in and of itself because it's a ring. But he's like, actually like, this is, I know I, I'm probably going to die. Like I'm out here in the fucking wilderness. Like, but I, want you to be safe and have like a house and a place to live because remember she had the fallout with king randa her uncle whereas like that's where she's lived her whole life and so like not only is he you know like making sure that someone is taking up his role like he's giving cats a security and a place to live and like money <sighs> so that's and tragic. doesn't ask for anything in return no <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna cry <laughs> This man. Ugh. Someone come get you, mans. Uh, anyway, so obviously the captain is like, uh, yeah, you have like Princess Bitterblue. Uh, you are now royalty yourself. Like we're absolutely going to go uh, take you back to Leonid. Like no questions asked. And so this trip obviously takes several weeks. But Katza uses the opportunity to start to teach Bitterblue how to fight and like defend herself um, and protect herself. And then during this, we kind of get Katza's first, like, internal thoughts about doing this all the time. Because she even has this, like, quote um, kind of in the middle of this teaching scene where she's like, I really don't understand why, like, the most unprotected, the most vulnerable population in our world, like, little girls and, like, young women don't aren't taught to, like, protect themselves. Like, they're, you know, at the mercy of the people around them. And so she's kind of like, hmm, that would be like a fun, like, side gig once this is all over. Uh, hold on to that little nugget because it comes back almost as if she decides that, yes, that is going to be her side quest once this is all over. <laughs> and so um, this scene fucked me up. So they finally arrive back at Poe's castle. And it's beautiful. It's amazing. And Katz is like, oh, my God, like, I wish I was here with Poe. Like, I wish he was here. Like, maybe he might be. Like, maybe he somehow, you oh, know, got out of that. Yeah, the hope that she builds up. Like, oh, like, <gasps> yeah, that was a little excruciating. Devastating. <laughs> there are, like, part three is just, like, fucking knife to the heart again and again so she has this kind of like very delicate hope and she's like seeing this like beautiful castle it's amazing and she's like you know getting kind of like fucked up about it and so uh she goes up to the castle she knocks on the door and the servant answers the door and he's like oh you finally arrived and she's like how do you know who i am and he's like oh the master uh he's waiting for you in the receiving hall and so, again, we get this, like, fucking traumatic, like, maybe Poe somehow magically, like, made it back. Like, he's going to be there and they're going to be a family and they're going to, like, kill King Lek together and everything's going to be fine and happy. <clears throat> uh, spoiler, it was not any of that. <laughs> this this next scene came out of left field for me. Yeah, it was a fucking, not even a plot twist, because, like, it makes sense, mm -hmm. like, with the plot, but it's just one of those, like, left fucking, what is that, uh, 
left hook that just Mm -hmm. knocks your shit out. And you're like, where the fuck did that arm even come from? Uh, So they walk into the receiving room. Katza looks around. It's, you know, Poe's family is all there. And she's like, okay, great. Except who is this man that is allegedly master of, you know. (laughs) Yep. It's uh, King Luck. Disturbing. Dun, dun, dun. Even horrifying. This, even his name gives you like oh, a GGs. Yeah. God, just like professional gaslighter extraordinaire. And so Katza, as you're reading this, is like even more excruciating because like Katza's immediately pulled under the spell that is, you know, King Lex Grace. And he's like, um, you know, oh, thank you so much for bringing my daughter back to me. You know, she's been like missing and I'm so glad you brought her here brought her to me here jesus christ um and bitter blue is like crying and like upset and she's like no like you know katza you need to remember you need to remember like he's evil and katza's like i know something's like wrong but i can't put my finger on it like i'm not supposed to trust this guy but i don't know why and so poe's mother um who's the queen she like keeps asking where her son is and she's referring to Poe and like Lek is immediately like, uh, yeah, like, please tell me like where our friend Poe is, you know, um, in his head, like the one person that can like see through my grace, like, please tell me where he is so that I can have him murdered. But like, oh yeah, our dear Poe, like he's lost, like, please tell me where he is. And, uh, you know, Katza kind of gets all the heebie-jeebies from it and she's like no like i don't think i'm supposed to talk about poe with you i don't remember why okay so i thought she starts to talk about where he's at like because he questions her right like oh yeah i think he asks like oh oh is he alive and she's like yes and then that's when bitter blue like really starts like panicking and freaking out and she's like no 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 um but she doesn't say where he is and then uh kind of continues this monologue And he's like, oh, yeah, well, thank you for, you know, bringing my daughter back to my castle. And Katza has another moment where she's like, your castle? Like, I thought this was Poe's castle. And Lek is like, uh, you know, whatever, like, that's not important. Like, let's skip past that. And he's kind of starting to, like, press more and more, like, you need to tell me, like, where Poe is. And then, again, you know, poor Poe's mother, like, poor mother is like, where the heck is my son? And then Lek is finally like, yeah, like, please tell me where Poe is, you know, because, you know, he has that special power. And halfway through getting through that statement, Katza immediately unalives this man with a thrown (laughs) knife that impales him to his chair through his mouth. It was the most beautiful closure that that this author could have (laughs) delivered. Like, I love the like, nope, bam, insane. Yes. Like, and then obviously chaos ensues. But like, let's let's look at this scene a little bit. So Katza doesn't have any kind of like breakthrough. She still is kind of under Lex's spell. And even after this, when like, you know, everybody starts to kind of come to a little bit and they're like, wait a second, like, what is going on? Like, did he say like my castle? Like, no, it's fucking Poe's castle. Katza was at no point like did she break the spell? She was still completely under this man's influence. But like her love and like loyalty to Poe is so deep that this man was about to reveal like Poe's actual grace, which, you know, his family has been keeping secret. His mom has the his her his dad doesn't even know like the brothers don't know. Like it's a close held shit. And he was about to say it out loud. And Katz is like, nope, I'm going to kill you. Like, oh, the love <laughs> that's real love <laughs> and that it makes you wonder too like how much of that is posed power kind of seeping through like their relationship yeah um, like the same way king, love always wins yeah king lack can influence people through other people i wonder if poe can poe's ability to see through things can like transfer to other people in certain hmm. i like that I never even thought about that. I just thought it was like the power of love, but it could actually be like actual power. <laughs> I think it's definitely meant to be the power of love. <laughs> that, that was the moral <laughs> of the story there. That's fair. But you're like, in more like real circumstances, it could be. <laughs> but this all goes down in like the span of a page. Like they arrive at the castle. Yeah. 
she realizes Poe's not there. And in fact, his whole family is there and King Lek and like the whole interaction between the two of them, a page. And then she's like, nope, you're dead. Mm -hmm. It was so quick. It was a, yeah, it was a very abrupt end to a villain who kind of like felt like he had all of the power in the world. And it was just this like crazy, like one-off, like no, and then boom, dead. Which is like an awesome, I feel like that's an awesome kind of like uh, parallel end for a gaslighter. So it's like someone that has, you know, professionally been able to get one over on people and like make them doubt themselves. And Katz is like, okay, I might doubt myself, but I don't doubt Poe. Mm-hmm. And she's like, nope, that's the last straw, done. Mm-hmm. Like it's, he pushed too hard. I wonder how it would have been like to have a little bit more of the, um, what's the right word? Intrigue, uh, suspense, buildup, like relationship mm. test. If, for example, Katza had been captured by Lek earlier on. Like, so Ooh. she and Poe like just had their romantic moment and they want to be together and they're still hashing it out. Um, and then Katza is captured by Lek and now has to believe everything he's telling her. And then po- yes. for Poe to have to come in and like, rescue her from herself and from Lek. I think that would have uh-huh, been a cool uh-huh. like highlight moment for Poe to have some action and for Katza to be the one saved instead of the one saving everyone. I think so too. I think that would be like a fun alternate ending for like older audience. Because mm-hmm. I feel like uh, this was a good ending for, and for the audience, like our listeners, readers, this isn't like quite the actual end. Um, But this was like a good end for impressionable young girls to like realize that they too have the power to like save men. But it would be so satisfying as like an older reader. Like, yeah, I get it. Like men and women are equal, but I just want to have this like cute little romantic moment where I'm the damsel in distress because I have to save myself every single day. Like, let's have a moment where a man saves me. Maybe Mm -hmm. (laughs) that would be a A plus like alternate ending. (laughs) But can you just imagine like... (sighs) Katza in full denial of like Poe's relationship because King Lex there and then Poe has to convince her, no, we love each other. Like, come away with me. Like, oh, Oh my God. (laughs) And then at first she's like, no, I can't. Like, you're evil. I, you know, uh, King Lex is great. He's an awesome king. And he's like, no, but you love me. And she's like, I do. (laughs) How much do you want to bet that this Uh, fan fiction already exists somewhere? This book has been out for a while. I wonder. Yeah. If not, uh, the power of my influence, uh, listener, reader, who maybe has some kind of like writing ability, please write us an alternate ending and I will read the shit out of it. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I, uh, I want more Captain yeah. drama. Yes, we love it. Um, but yeah, chaos. Everyone's kind of clutching their heads they're like what the fuck was like happening like did he say this is his castle because at one point too like king roar is like did this man really say that he was gonna like install install himself as like king in my throne like he's like getting himself like amped up like the fuck does that guy think he is and it's like well he's dead so like let's (laughs) let's calm down a little bit (laughs) king roar is a cool character Uh, that we get a little bit more of but yeah uh I think he's described as being like bombastic and loud and like doesn't really listen to other people, but also like cares a lot. And I think we all know those people that are like maybe not the most uh, eloquent, but like, you know, they care mm-hmm. and it's coming from a good place. Yeah. The most fun kind of people. Uh, but anyway, after all of this drama happens, um, Katza tells Bitter Blue that she's like, okay, uh, you know, this is all done. King Lex dead. Awesome. I need to go find Poe. Like, he's out there in the middle of nowhere, potentially hurt. Like, I need to go find him. And she's like, I'm leaving in the morning. And uh, Bitter Blue is like, LOL, you're not leaving alone. And then uh, Poe's closest brother, Sky is like, LOL, you're not leaving alone. And then a whole group of soldiers are like, LOL, you're not leaving alone. <laughs> So now they have this whole ass posse like riding out. And so they sail back to land and they race across the continent to go find Poe. And Katz is getting like more and more stressed out. And I feel like uh, everyone has kind of experienced this. Like when you are amped up to go do something or go somewhere that you like really need to get done. And it's that like anxiety of like we're not moving fast enough. Like I can totally relate to Katza during this. Like it's probably this on 
crack <laughs> like <laughs> through the roof. And so she's getting more and more stressed out. And, you know, she's pu- pushing her horses really hard trying to get there. And from above them, all of a sudden, you know, up on the hill, Poe kind of calls out, still doing your best to ruin the horses, I see. Oh, mm-hmm. he's alive. He made it. Except. <laughs> oh, no. Not this part. Yeah, he made it except. <laughs> this is the most fucking devastating thing I've ever read in my entire life. So Poe explains that he survived and, you know, he's doing okay, except he's still walking with some difficulty, he's still dizzy. And Katza starts to realize that Poe's not himself. So, you know, Poe is always the really, like, um, emotionally in tune with people, you know, happy-go-lucky kind of guy, very laid back. But now all of a sudden he's very, like, depressed almost in moments. And it looks as though he's trying to, like, keep it from everyone around him. And so Katza finally, like, pulls him away and he's like, hey, like, you need to, or she says, you know, you need to tell me, like, what's going on? Like, why are you acting this way? And uh, it's only after, and he kind of like refuses to talk about it. He's like, you know, I just want to be alone. Like, leave me alone. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, this is not Poe. And so it's only after Bitter Blue, like in a passing comment while they're all eating, she's like, yeah, there's something off about his eyes. And Katz is like, well, yeah, he has like kind of crazy eyes, like the weirdest eyes I've ever seen. They're like gold and silver. And Bitter Blue's like, no, there's like something off about his sight. Like he looks at things but doesn't see them and that's when Katz is like has like the flashback montage of like oh him falling off the cliff and like him slamming his face into the the like pond and like the horse falling on top of him and like the dizziness like it's all clicking together uh to a very devastating tragic end so she runs out Poe is like sitting by this pond thing and she's like Poe look at me and he doesn't turn around and she's like, Poe, please look at me. And he kind of like maybe like ambles around a little bit, but he's not looking at her. And he's like, Poe, are you blind? And he starts crying. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Even knowing what was coming, this was devastating. I wasn't quite so devastated, but that was because I wasn't. Really? I, I mean, it's very sad. It's so sad. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I just wasn't as invested in this story. Oh, fair. Um, and so it didn't quite hit me as hard. But again, like I wish I'd read this when I was younger because I think I would have been as devastated as you are right now. Um, That's fair. This is like, you know, 15, 16 year old Katie speaking like, oh, my God, he's blind. <laughs> so, OK, one of my favorite. I, I don't want to say it's a, my favorite book. Like it's one of my favorite, like classic books. Uh, Jane Eyre. Mm, mm-hmm. Um which I don't think. You, oh, okay. You have you read it? Jane Austen up Shut in here. Up. Okay, okay, okay. That's what I said. It's not one of my favorite books because it's not like a book I'm just going to pick up. Oh, I love this book. Yeah. I need to escape for a little while. It's like an investment, but it's one of the few. That's fair. Like it's one of the few like classics you can get away with, uh, but it's very readable. <laughs> um, hmm. If you haven't read it, so it's it's written in first person, which is another reason it's super readable. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, but the. This is not a spoiler because there's like 10 Jane Eyre movies. Um, The hero (laughs) is blinded in a house fire. And so the heroine like returns to him after several months and like she doesn't know he's blind. And he's sitting um, in his little armchair with his dog and she walks up and he's like, who's there? And she's like, well, Pilot knows me, oh. which is the dog's name. That's why I named my dog Pilot. <laughs> I, yeah, wait a second. Let's. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So Whoa. favorite, favorite classic book. Um, the hero Rochester in that book has a big black dog named Pilot. So oh. I named my first dog Pilot and he has passed on. Um, oh. But yeah. So I feel like I unlocked a little, like we all unlocked a little like tidbit of Jordan's like. I feel too psyche. seen. <laughs> But yeah, so it's oh that okay. So how you feel about Poe is kind of how I felt about yeah. like Jane and Rochester and Pilot the Dog. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, because it's just this devastating, and I don't know what it is. Uh, actually, it's probably you know a little bit uh, toxic masculinity and like patriarchal societal norms. But seeing men cry, uh, 
it fucks me up a little bit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'll be real. Like, especially men that are always, like, strong and, you know, like, strong for their family. And especially Poe, because he's so, like, chilled back and, like, calm. And he's, like, in touch with his emotions. But, like, crying? It's just not something ah. that character does. And I wish no. it was more normalized for, like, for men. I do, too. Because um, mm-hmm. I... I cried all the time (laughs) i'll be real (laughs) i do not it it is hard for me to summon tears um really mm -hmm. i watch a sad commercial and it's waterworks (laughs) so (laughs) yeah (laughs) you and my friend joe uh would be great pals because you'd be balling <laughs> together over every single yep. pet commercial on tv it's true yeah but i just think about that and i'm like i wish men could also cry about these like sad you know uh sarah mclaughlin arms of an angel mm-hmm. dog commercials and not feel weird about it because everyone cries at those except jordan <laughs> okay that is the exception is is the humane society <laughs> like dogs in a cage yeah uh, only oh, dogs that like in the arms of an <laughs> Stop angel. Stop it! <laughs> it even has the like you know the watery like sounding, and then the puppy dog know, eyes like, look I'm up gonna like cry. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, everyone should be able to cry to that movie. Yeah, that's our sense of equality, <laughs> or at that <laughs> advertisement. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, after that whole emotional turmoil, um. Katza basically says that she's going to, like, stick it out with Poe until he feels, like, back to normal and, like, at least back more to himself. Because even after that little reveal, I feel like Poe, his character starts to, like, move back towards who he was before. But it's obviously with this, like, extreme trauma, um, you know, that I feel like a lot of people with disability who uh, lived without that disability before probably feel like you don't want to be who you were. Well, like you want to be who you were before or maybe, but it's like um, you don't want to have to act happy all the time. It's like, no, I'm like living with this disability. Like this is my life. I'm not going to be happy all the time. Like you're not happy all the time, but people are like, oh no, like you can do it. You'll be fine. It's like, just let me suffer for a little bit. You almost become a different person. Like you cannot be the person you were before. You are made differently now. Yeah, but people are always like, oh, you'll like eventually get back to, you know, that strength or do the things that you could do before. And it's like, don't tell me those things. Like, you don't know what I'm going through right now. So I feel like Poe is kind of like very reasonably expressing that. And people are kind of caught off guard because they're like, oh, this isn't the, you know, happy-go-lucky, chilled-out Poe that we knew before. But Katz is like, well, regardless, like, this is who you are now. Like, we're going to get you back to a point where you're like not – you know, actively depressed and you hate your life and stuff like I'm going to stick it out like we're in this together, man. Um, And with her help and like the support of everyone around him, like Poe kind of starts to get past like his self-pity moment, which, again, very reasonable self-pity. He is now blind. Um, But he also kind of embraces his grace and like allows it to kind of extend out past him and he can kind of like see in a way. I kind of imagined it like sonar. That's kind of like he's like a bat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's how I imagined it Mm -hmm. because he's like aware of other things around him Mm because the things around him are interacting with him. Um. And so he can like kind of sort of see. And then it gets to the point where Bitter Blue has to leave so that she can go be crowned. And I don't think that Poe goes with them. I think Poe stays there. Yeah. Or maybe he does go with them. I'm not sure. This part was very like hazy because I feel like it's kind of wrapped up it's weirdly. Kind of, yeah, you don't really need it, honestly. Yeah. They could have ended it mm-hmm. with... Katza and Poe like agreeing to work together to help Poe overcome or just not overcome. That's the wrong word to uh, learn to live with his blindness. Yeah, because these last like little bit kind of felt like odd. Mm -hmm. So Bitter Blue is obviously has her coronation. Katza gets like a little uh, reunion with Prince Raffin. Like he like bursts through the door and she starts crying. She's like, oh, my God, Raffin. Uh, but then that's it. That's like where the story ends. I think Katza and Raffin are like sitting in the coronation and just watching. And then that's the end. And you get this little like kind of cute epilogue scene that's actually kind of like depresso when you think about it. 
Um, it's basically like Poe and Katza agreeing that they're going to go their separate ways to deal with the things they still have to deal with. And then they'll like eventually find themselves after find each other after that, which was super depressing. I was like, no, you guys need to like work together to go do your things and then stay together. Like, why are you agreeing to leave? <laughs> I did not get that take at all. Like, I didn't think this was a depressing oh, really? ending. Like, I thought, oh, that that's the perfect ending for these two because it it's not... It didn't strike me as like closure, like, oh, they're agreeing to go their separate mm. ways. They're like, no, I got shit to do at home. So do you. Like the same way couples mm-hmm. run a long distance relationship, they're going back and. I can see that. That's kind of how I read it. Um, mm. That's fair. I think I just took the like, you guys suffered, like you get to have a little bit of happy time together, but nope, uh, you have to go deal with your things. Um, but I guess, yeah, in the emotionally mature way. <laughs> Okay, so 14-year-old me would have read that and be like, they don't end up together. This is dumb. I hate this ending. Yep. (laughs) That was basically me, and I think that kind of informs my current uh, (laughs) depresso assessment of this. Um, But yeah, that's the end of the book. It's a very... um, It doesn't feel rushed. I feel like that's not the word that I want to use. But almost. It felt haphazard. It's kind of... Yeah. Mm -hmm. It also... Okay, so right when we right when they introduce Bitter Blue to the storyline, mm-hmm. and then as the story progresses from there to the end, I got the impression that the author, like obviously this is a great story. Like Katza is a, mm-hmm. an amazing heroine. Poe is what heroes should be. But my impression was that she really wanted to write about Bitter Blue and Bitter Blue's story. And this was like oh. the prequel for Bitter Blue. Oh. That's a hot take, but like, I think I agree. <laughs> I went to read Bitter Blue because that's um, so. This isn't a series; it's like the same world as how the three yeah. books are. It's Graceling Fire and Bitter Blue. Um, so I picked up Bitter Blue like the day I finished Graceling, and <laughs> was immediately more drawn in because I think you sit inside Bitter Blue's head a little bit more than you do with Katza. Mm, I could see that. I feel like Bitter Blue is also a more relatable character, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Katz is um, not like a fringe character, but she's a very uh, not reflective, uh, very like think or act first, think later, you know, one track mind kind of thing that I don't think is super relatable to most people. Like, makes her a great heroine, mm-hmm. um, especially like a strong-willed one, but maybe not relatable. Whereas I think Bitter Blue is more like the thoughtful, kind of uh, questioning, intriguing, like let me kind of analyze these situations before I do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably makes sense why she's a little bit more relatable. <laughs> a little, so a, a cool glimpse into Bitter Blue, because uh, she fights and can kind of see through King Lex's influence. Um, and she's, oh, she's yeah, 10 yeah. in the book. And so you don't really know how she's doing it or why she's doing it and how she managed to escape. When you get into Bitter Blue, the book, um, you realize that her mother taught her how to do math in her head whenever King Lek was yeah. speaking. Yeah. I thought that was a super cool take because she's not Grace. Uh-huh. Like you said, she's more normal, I guess, in this world. Yeah. And yeah, that was that was fun. It also tested my math skills. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't do long division uh. in my head like that. <laughs> Nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. But what a fun, that's like an interesting um, kind of parallel too, where I feel like people who are gaslighted, and I haven't been gaslighted. So this is obviously me from like an outside perspective. I want to like caveat that. Um, but I feel like you need um, not coping mechanisms, but like ways to keep your head on straight, like to trust yourself and your sense of reality and be like, okay, I know this person is telling me all these like crazy fucked up things that I like maybe think are true, but like, what are the things that I know to be true? Like that kind of like control over your life. Like it's an interesting like coping mechanism. I don't even think that's the right word, but. Well, with gaslighting, I think um, it's such an insidious behavior um, and like being on the recipient of it like you don't even know it's happening that's that's how good like narcissists operate is you have Hmm. no like your perception of the world is so skewed that you don't even know it's happening to you until someone else points it out generally whoa um so i I, 
and I would assume that that's how King Lex's ability works. It's like you just you don't know what's happening. Like you have no control, and being able to like pull yourself out of it w- without help, I think, is nearly impossible. And like Bitter mm-hmm. Blue wasn't able to do it until her with without her mother's help, for example. And then her mother gave her the tool to like help herself. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's not oh, pleasant. It almost makes yeah Bitter Blue's um, journey and like character arc like that much more sad or not satisfying but like impressive Mm -hmm. like she as a 10 year old is able to you know kind of see through his lies like impressive first Mm -hmm. of all (laughs) especially because uh the whole Poe's whole family couldn't see through it it also like even another like king you know yeah i i think what it teaches people like um like bitter blue for example um is to examine people's intent. Like, so you're not just listening mm. to what people say, you're wondering why they're saying it, um, which is mm. like a great social skill to have. Like what's motivating you to say these things to me or to say to them and mm. I'm in, within hearing distance. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like uh, that could make Bitter Blue's story more engaging because like Katza doesn't have, uh, Gracing is more like action mm-hmm based and then i feel like bitter blues is more like social commentary yeah Mm -hmm. that being said i didn't finish that being said though (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh you didn't what uh did you stop halfway through no not even halfway through i think i got i don't know 60 70 pages in and i think it stumbled Uh. into the same problem that graceling had which is it's just not a grabber and it's also geared younger oh okay i think that's the problem i can see that it's definitely meant for like the 14 to 16 year old audience Mm -hmm. uh yeah (laughs) because when we reread this and i know the like uh romantic interlude scene is like really well done like probably you know top tier well done but i was like confused i'm like i thought there was more like spice in this book <laughs> it probably seems spicier like, to 14 the- year old you <laughs> that's true yeah i do remember reading this and being like whoa <laughs> but uh now not so much <laughs> now we're re- reading like reverse harems and and whatnot and <laughs> okay i knew that was gonna come back god damn i don't even think that episode has aired yet I, okay, for context for readers, since we're talking into the future now, I uh, recommended a book to Jordan uh, and all of you. Uh, You will probably listen to it in like three weeks, maybe. Uh, Just mentioned, you know, that I may have read a reverse harem uh, book. I didn't know what I was getting into. That's before I knew that was a thing. And I didn't like it, but I read it. And uh, <laughs> here we are. Immediately comes back to haunt me. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. So what? Huh? <laughs> I'm not judging. What? Uh, Listen. Is there an issue uh, with girls wanting attention from multiple men uh, that all see something different in her? Now that I say it, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, mm. <laughs> I... I'm never coming from a place of judgment there because I grew up reading the trashiest Harlequin romance novel stuff that was written <laughs> in the 70s and 80s that has so that um, should have to this day every single trigger warning available on them. Okay, so never a place of judgment from here. <laughs> okay, so I am interested though because I think that was slightly before my time. Do those books have spice in them? Like are the are the sex scenes like described in graphic detail? Do, do trashy eighties? <laughs> She's clutching her chest right now. <laughs> do do old school romance novels and like old school? I would say like eighties, late seventies to like the early aughts. That's what I'm like. Damn. Yes. Do those aughts? have sex scenes in them? Why, yes, Katie. They Y2K. do. And I would say that some of them are even more like vivid and graphic than you would find in some more of the Hmm. steamy books these days okay well we'll talk after this episode (laughs) so i can get some wrecks real quick first of all but i don't know why i thought it but i always thought like older books were like very like um white woman at church from the south like clutching her pearls like oh we don't talk about that. <laughs> okay, so this is this is definitely a sidebar, not even remotely related to Grace Lang, but there's kind of like <laughs> an in-between um, 
period in romance work. So there was stuff that pu- that was published in, I'd say, like the 40s to 60s. Um, that's very clean. Um, and it's hmm. no spice, very... It's still a romance novel. Like the entire plot centers around the romance. And it's very much like um, women in that era, right? So these were all like set in the 40s to 60s, usually like about a nurse who has to travel and she meets a hot surgeon, except it's a very clean, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And the woman usually has some sort of like sad circumstances where she's broke or she's not as pretty as the other girls, that kind of thing. Um, But it's very much centered on like the dialogue back and forth and the emotional growth and there's no spice whatsoever. So they're kind of like Mm. a, like a palate cleanser in the romance genre where if you like want... I could see that. To read like a Hallmark <laughs> movie with no spiciness to it, but you want that like emotional closure, read that. Mm-hmm. But you hit like 70s and later and oh my God, <laughs> like that was my <laughs> sex education was those books growing up. <laughs> oh my God. First of all, I don't think that's a holistic health and <laughs> no. wellness. Uh... But I was a very oh knowledgeable teenager. <laughs> that's fair. I wonder, that would be like a fun, uh, like gender studies, like doctoral thesis or something, uh, because that probably lines up perfect with, uh, what is it, second wave feminism, third wave feminism? I think it's second wave feminism, uh, where, because it kind of makes sense, because I feel like women in like the 1940s to probably like the 1960s, 1950s maybe, and probably before that too, um, they're not seen as like sexual creatures. Uh, they're, you know, meant to like offer pleasure to male counterparts. Um, but I feel like when you get that like second wave feminism of like the 60s and 70s where it's like, no, I'm a fucking sexual creature. Like I do all of this shit. Like that's not just a guy thing. It would make sense that you have this like rise in like spice levels and romance books that like they're echoing, you know, the voices and thoughts of like this public I guess. So, so it's interesting because I feel like we've had like a, a rise in that again in the like, you know, 2019 to like now of like women are like, yeah, I read book porn. What about it? Well, <laughs> and it's cool because it's not just books now. It's books. It's movies. It's music. Music is a big one for yeah. like women's empowered sexuality. Like just listen mm-hmm. to some of the songs. Ariana Grande <laughs> positions the whole album. Anyway, continue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So there's a there's a great older movie that's kind of timeless now. It's called Romancing the Stone. Hmm. And I know it's been on one of your recommended movie lists. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> so, okay, uh, for everyone listening, Katie has... Katie is probably one of the youngest people in our office at work. And she yeah. has a long list of movies she has never seen recommended to her. Uh, it included, yep. like, Pretty Woman she had never seen. <laughs> I just watched that. Problematic but cute. Yes. So Romancing the Stone is also <laughs> on that list. Uh, but it hmm. the movie is about a romance writer author in the I think it's in the eighties, like late eighties. And hmm. she kind of gets sucked into this adventure plot, uh, like straight out of one of her books. Um oh. <laughs> so it's that character and the and the romances she writes is kind of the movie's poking fun at all of the romances that came out in the eighties. So interesting. That's almost like a a response to a response. Like we're getting inception here. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, but all that being said, I feel like Graceling, um even as an adult who very much enjoys like spice and smut books, I think I would keep this one the same. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a very appropriate level of spice, like um, adult themes sometimes, uh, but it's like good for the audience it was meant for. Exactly. Like anything more, I think, would feel too young on the plot, but then like too old with the spice, which is something you get a lot from um, maybe like not so skilled authors mm-hmm. or like newer authors. Um, but I think this one was like perfect books for- books that are coming out all the time. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, uh, I would keep this the same, I, which is surprising. Cause I feel like most ones I'm like, this could use a little bit <laughs> of can, spice. We can match it up a little bit. You know, yeah, <laughs> I agree with you entirely. And I really enjoyed that particular scene cause it was done so well. I, you mm-hmm. know, it, 
when we yeah. talked about Crown Duel um, and the very few romantic scenes you get in Crown Duel, that wasn't enough. And I think if they had yeah. just bumped up to the Graceling level, that would have been perfect. Yep. I agree. Because, like, uh, you didn't get any kind of, this is going to sound really weird, uh, but, like, sexual closure, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, mm-hmm. in Crown Duel. Like, it was always just, like, the flirting, and then all of a sudden they were married, like, if you read the extra content. Mm-hmm. But, like, Graceling, there's, like, a uh, like a full circle. Mm-hmm. Like, they flirt, they're in a relationship, they, you know, kind of, like, admit that they like each other, they love each other, sexual closure. But, like, Crown Duel was just, like, continuous flirting yeah yeah that's yeah i think graceling's level is perfect for what for the audience Mm -hmm. for the plot for what it's trying to do Mm -hmm. i agree yeah well never thought i would ever say that something was spicy (laughs) enough (laughs) that is a new phrase that is yet to come out of my mouth I this is also the person that puts like sriracha on everything <laughs> I eat. <laughs> I cannot wait to introduce you to all of the old school romances and the level of spice. I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> I am terrified. There's a reason they were called bodice rippers. Like <laughs> <gasps> Oh girl, I thought that was just like the cover art. Like, I don't know why I thought that there was no smutty scenes in those. Like the covers should have told me. <laughs> Any of our older listeners are probably just jaws on the floor right now like (laughs) (laughs) or they're just laughing like oh honey you don't know shit (laughs) exactly (laughs) like where do you think all of this started (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) huh well i feel like i've unlocked a whole new just half of the universe like (laughs) we're gonna do like a reveal of like top 10 recommended like straight up romance books one of these days yeah that would be good because sometimes you just need a little like just a romance yeah no plot no fantasy don't think about it too much you just enjoy it (laughs) for what it is (laughs) our friend rob is probably rolling his eyes right now listening to this he's like god no literary value what are you doing (laughs) wasting your time exactly nope this is spicy and i'm enjoying it thank you okay (laughs) i will not be taking questions (laughs) but speaking of literary value we do have Hmm. another book to reveal (gasps) oh we do Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this is not smart no, it's not. Don't sound so disappointed. <laughs> I feel like it's like emotional smut. I don't think that makes sense. And I might be thinking of another word. Uh, but you get that kind of satisfaction from it. Like maybe not the smutty satisfaction, but I feel like there's like emotional satisfaction from it. Yeah, I think that I still wouldn't use smut, but we can roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm saying it doesn't have any smut. But even like the emotional smut is not like the the central theme of the book. I could see that. Yeah. So is it more fantasy than romance or romance than fantasy? I would think you it's say? more oh, it's it's hard because it's fairy tale. Like there's fantasy romance mm-hmm. and then there's fairy tale within the fantasy romance genre. And this is firmly in fairy tale land. Hmm. Okay. I wonder if anyone's picked that. up and on then, the book we're talking about yet. Because <laughs> we're definitely probably talking not. around it. It's <laughs> It came out, I think it came out in the early 2000s. I'm not sure. Did, oh, do you know? I thought it was like the 90s. You think anything uh, pre-2005 is 90s? <laughs> <laughs> okay, probably because I was not coherent. <laughs> also, it's Y2K, not the knots. Ots. Ots? Ots. Have, you, have you not heard that? What does that mean? Ots? Now I feel incredibly judged, and I'm never going to speak again. <laughs> this is okay, my final reverse podcast. harem. <laughs> <laughs> this is just uh, you give what you get. Or okay, I give right now I'm googling "ots" meaning the decade. Oh, I derailed you. We haven't even talked about the book yet. 2000, 2009 is the "ots." You're welcome. Y2K for all of the audiences oh that are on the younger <laughs> side of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so did, did you find the year for our next book? What? No, I didn't even <laughs> Google it. The Googs is failing me. <laughs> Judging me for saying aughts and you say the Googs. I think that's just a Katieism. I don't even think that's an age thing. <laughs> that's fair. Um, it's still loading. Did you not just put it in the Googs? No, I, 
Oh my gosh. I now I feel super old. I just I just saw the date. Yeah. Told you. <laughs> Vindication. <laughs> okay. 1999. Dear listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Thank you for sticking with us <laughs> through our ups and downs this episode. We are finally going to reveal our next book. Yes. So, Katie, would you do the honor? Uh, our next book is Daughter of the Forest by Juliet Marillier. Marillier? Marillier? Girl, I'm still emotionally in shock from... <laughs> That's fair. Um, What's your last so name? This- <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's Marillier. Marillier. Okay, that checks out. All the I's and L's and mm-hmm. Frenchness are there. <laughs> yeah. Um, this author has quite a catalog. Um, and her, like, I was looking at the page count on this book, and we're in the 500s oh, on dang. this one. Okay. Chonks. It's very thick. Mm-hmm. And this is the Luke. first book in a, not a series. It's like, it's like a, family legacy world thing that all the books are set in oh. so you don't have to read like bridgerton almost yeah i'd say that's a okay a good comparison hmm. um so and we've both read this one before but mm-hmm. it's been a little while yeah it's like you said hefty yeah i've only read the first one too i think i've read one other book by her um the one with the like witch reflection pool or something Oh, Dreamer's Pool. Yeah, I read that one too, which was super cute. Uh, uh, that I should have been my recommendation for a book like Entreat Me. I feel like the characters are similar. They're like the older, more mature, worldly. So I love this author. I think I've read almost everything she's written. <laughs> um, she's phenomenal. She's right up there. Um, if you look on Goodreads and look at the like similar books to Daughter of the Forest, um, the authors that pop pop up are Grace Draven, mm, Shocker. That makes sense. Um, Sharon Chin, uh, like the literary, not literary standouts, but like the foundational authors of this genre mm-hmm. that have been writing it for like 30, 40 years. Um, so you're in, you're in good hands, I think, with Daughter of the Forest. We, we will not lead you astray on this one. Yeah. I agree. It was a good book. It was, um, surprising too, because, uh, Jordan's more of the, like, historical romance, and I do a lot more of the, like, boots up butts, ass kicking, uh, fantasy kill them all kind of fantasy romance. Um, but I read this one and I enjoyed it. So I feel like it's one of those that is approachable if this isn't like totally your typical, you know, genre. Like it's just, it's excellent. And it's a retelling of a fairy tale. I forget the actual fairy hmm. tale. I don't know that. Um, uh, is it yeah, the it's Swan a- Lake one? Um, Maybe I'm thinking of a different book. I think it's um I don't think it's Swan Lake. I think it's an older fairy tale because um there's a there's a more modern book um that just published recently called Six Crimson Cranes. Oh um, yeah. That's based on the same fairy tale. Oh okay. Um, oh yeah, the Goog says it is loosely based based on the legend of the children of Lur and the Six Swans. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So if you're really into fairy tale retellings, this has a much more like darker, drawn out um, plot and vibe to it. Mm. But it's it's super good. Yeah. Well, now uh, that I've gone through the emotional trauma of my computer (laughs) almost dying, Poe being blinded, uh, (laughs) bitter blue, having to watch her dad be stabbed in the mouth. Yeah. I think we're ready to close out. <laughs> yeah, <I'm fine. laughs> I think that's enough for one one day. So uh, thank you for sticking with mm-hmm. us. And from our shelf to yours. We'll see you on the next page. So timing is everything. And <laughs> <laughs> right when Katie yelled vindicated, um, 
You want to you explain what happened? Uh, yeah, I'm still like shooketh, uh, but my laptop <laughs> died. And uh, as I say in this audio that we're about to uh, put on for you so you can uh, experience this firsthand, uh, Steve Jobs is a wonderful human being and somehow my laptop was still recording and then it turned back on and uh, without me knowing it, you know, it was still recording as I was real time watching the audio still existing <laughs> on my computer instead of gone into the ether. <laughs> so just for you, we uh, preserved Katie's reaction <laughs> so you can listen to it live. Steve Jobs, I believe in you, please, Lord. <laughs> oh, God bless America. <laughs>